Welcome to this very special episode of Malhai Theology. I'm Broderick Greer of St. John's Cathedral, and I am here with my friend, Bianca Emerson, who's deeply involved in politics. And Bianca, welcome. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for the invitation. Today, just for a short moment, we're going to talk about the importance of voting. And this episode will actually um, be published on the day, on the final day to register to vote in Colorado. Um, our immediate audience are people who attend St. John's, live in Denver. Our broader audience are people who live out of state. Um, so please, if you are not sure about your voting status, go to IWillVote.com, and that is a great place for you to start. So Bianca, again, welcome. I'm just so happy to be with you. Um, Thanks. And, and so proud of the work that you're doing. If you would, just, we, we already know who's on the ballot. We see it every day. Um, if you watch cable news, you're getting, and if you watch, watch network television, you're, all of us are getting ads on Snapchat, on Instagram, on Facebook, on TV. We know who's on the ballot. But if you could, tell, tell us what's on the ballot this November. So, you know, there's a couple of things on the ballot um, and it's a pretty long ballot this, this, t this time around um, in Colorado. Um, one of the bigger things is um, a woman's right as it relates to her body and um, what, who can tell a woman to, um, or the option that a woman has as it relates to her abortion rights and that's uh, Proposition 115. Um, and there's a couple of other ballots as it relates to taxes. I'm, I'm not an expert on that, but um, there's some issues as it relates to taxes, some issues as it relates to gambling um, in Central Park, um, Central, Central City, Blackhawk, Cripple Creek, um, as it relates to how it is going to impact uh, local schools and businesses. Um, so there's an array of things on the Colorado ballot, a couple of propositions, a couple of amendments, and I would just encourage you to go to maybe the uh, ballot, uh, Ballotpedia, I, I believe it is, and you can get um, a full understanding, a readout of that. One of the places that I usually go to is the Bell Policy Center. Um, it gives me a really good uh, bipartisan look at all of the amendments so that I can understand where um, I stand and how I can um, how I can vote and be an educated voter. But again, um, as a woman, um, as a progressive woman, I'm really again um, watching Proposition 115. Amazing, and there was a compelling. Um there's a compelling ad running right now um, by a, I believe it's a rabbi and his wife, and and they had to make a very difficult decision about a pregnancy, and it, it's it's very good storytelling, mm -hmm. um, and frames frames this not so much as an issue, but as you know this is a very personal decision, right? Um, so thank you for for bringing attention to that. Um, 
another thing I, I think I find, you know, I have a subset of friends who are extremely politically engaged and are always voting, um, specifically some friends here in Denver before the pandemic. Every time we would um, get our ballots, we'd pick a night um, and bring snacks to someone's apartment and eat and drink and fill out our ballots together and discuss oh, issues fun. together, which is super nerdy. Uh, but we <laughs> just called it a ballot party. <laughs> exactly. It was, it's fun to me too. And I'm right. actually sad that we're not going to get to do that this year. Um, or we'll do it on Zoom. But I also have another subset of friends and, and, and people that I know on social media who I actually admire and respect greatly who are on the fence about voting. What is what do you say to them? People who are either burnt out about the process, feel like politics and government don't reflect the urgency of the issues that they're committed to and the causes they're committed to, or for whatever reason feel disenfranchised. What is your message to people who, who think, ah, eh, I mean, I, I could vote, but I might not? Well, you know, I, I understand what people are and I, I um, respect people's positions. But to that, I say you don't understand the society that you live in. We live in a democracy. So you can't... Um, just skirt over that. This is the society that we live in. Not only is it a democracy, which is voiced by the people, we live in a representative democracy, which means that you select, you elect, you um, support people who speak to your voice because this is voiced by the people. So to suggest and say, oh, I'm just gonna sit out, then you're not participating in the process that we call democracy. You're not allowing your voice to be heard. Um, I know we've heard the saying that democracy is not a spectator sport. You have to participate in this process and you have to participate at every single level. You have to vote for your mayor, the people who are your city council representatives, your clerk or recorder, even the coroner, the judges, all of those people impact your everyday life. Those are the people that impact how, how and when we go to school. Schools are getting ready to open up. Those are some of your school board members. Those are, those are individuals that impact every single aspect of your life. So to suggest that you don't care about voting, um, it's not important to you. To that I say, perhaps you don't care about yourself, your family, your neighbor, even your children, because every individual that's elected to office is going to, in some way, impact every single aspect of your life. I'm, I'm so happy that you are not only present-oriented, present but future-oriented in your analysis, because my all three of my grandparents in the last years of their life in Texas, they all voted um, absentee mm -hmm. uh, because of health difficulties and age. And in Texas, you can vote absentee um, for no reason beginning at age 65. Oh. And so 
um, they all opted into that. And when I was a kid, you know, I'd sit at the kitchen table and watch them fill out their ballots and watch them mail them off. And also as a kid, my parents would take me and my brother to vote with them at our local polling place, which was my elementary school. And so it wasn't until I was older that I realized, oh my goodness, my parents born in 1958, 1959, my grandparents born in 1930 and 1931, as black people living in Texas and South Carolina were born without the right to vote. Um, and so as a kid, I was taught, you know, you look forward to your 18th birthday because mm-hmm. when you turn 18, you, you vote. can vote. That's right. Um, and so what do you say to people who have children in their lives, nieces and nephews, godchildren, um, people coming after them in some way, people who are going to survive them when they die. What do you say to those people about the world um, that they will leave to them? Well, I would just go back a little bit and say, I think people find time to do what they wanna do. Hmm. And if you don't prioritize um, having a voice in democracy, I'm just gonna say shame on you. (laughs) (laughs) For real, I mean, it's shame on you because you know, when we were growing up, um, I know you're a little younger than me, but you're probably still here. You probably still heard it. People fought and died for you to cast a vote. I mean, oh, I people, still hear it. My yeah. dad was saying that to me on the phone the other day. <laughs> yeah, and you know, we have a local representative that tells the story all the time that when her grandmother went to vote for the first time, she was asked to cite the whole entire Constitution. To tell, to go by, you know, just point by point, what does the Constitution say? We always hear about, I mean, if you read history, you know about poll taxes. So my thing is, if voting wasn't that important, then why, even then, and even now, you see, people are creating and finding all kinds of barriers to make sure that your voice isn't heard in what we call voting, going to the ballot box, showing up at the polls. So I'm saying, if you're thinking about your children, your grandchildren, I have, I have uh, two nephews and two nieces. One niece is only maybe, I don't even think she's a month old. She's the cutest thing ever. But I'm thinking about them. You know, I don't have any children. I'm thinking about them. I have my two oldest, uh, my, my oldest niece and nephew, they were born in a country with President Obama. Mm. That's all they do, you know, and then to see their reaction um, and how they felt. I mean, just even as a country, how we felt when that changed to a Trump presidency, my niece and nephew, even they, they were very young then, even that made a huge impression on them as small children. Mm. Yeah. So I say to those who are thinking about their future, think about the state of the country and where we are now. And I I mean, I I don't have to go into detail, but that's my point. Well, and I I think you bring up 
many good points um, that are all interrelated. I mean, you talked about how our votes affect who the coroner is. Exactly. And, you know, we're a church, so we deal with um, dead bodies a lot and, and remains a lot. Um, and then I think by extension from, you know, down from the very, um, what can seem insignificant, the caring of, you know, for a dead body or remains all the way to the White House um, and federal offices. I know we're also voting for, you know, one of our U.S. Senate seats in Colorado. And I think the thing that's on my mind that we haven't even talked about yet is the fact that we're living in the most significant public health crisis of our lifetime. Exactly. And government inertia, inaction, um, mismanagement, suppression in some ways affects being able to go to restaurants, mm -hmm. being able, in our case at St. John's, to have you know public worship services. We haven't held a public worship service um, in its fullest sense since I believe March 11th, earlier this year. Um, so you, you make a powerful point that from the coroner to the president, every, you know, our lives are interrelated. We can't escape. Um, the effects of government, whether we like it or not. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know, like we talk about what's on the ballot here in Colorado, but from the broader perspective, what's mm -hmm. on the ballot as it relates to uh, the presidential election is our healthcare, to your point. Mm -hmm. We're, we are living in um, a, a pandemic right now. Um, in the USA, that's been, um, horribly mismanaged by the current administration, but our healthcare is on the line. Um, our education, our public education system is on the line. Businesses, entrepreneurship, access to capital, especially for communities of color, entrepreneurs of color is on, all that's on the ballot. So you can't, I, I try to tell people, you can't necessarily look at the person in per se, but look at everything to your point. Every mm. single thing that is on the ballot as it relates to your future. Yes, exactly. And I, I think that, you know, both of us are um, in many ways children of the Black church. And it wasn't the case at my home church growing up, but I know many Black churches across the South, and I'm not sure how it is in Colorado, would have souls to the polls um, on Sundays after church. And, and everyone would just, that was when everyone went to vote. Yeah. And, you know, to think about, you know, those core cultural values, those core, um, you know, cultural values that are tied to faith. Mm -hmm. And, um, and really all those things are our lenses. You know, they, they're just the lenses through which we see the world. And so, you know, we carry all of that with us. Um, I, I always say to the polling place as if I live in a state, 
I mean, we we have universal melon balloting in Colorado. Right. Very um, but I, it's very easy to vote, and and I love it. Um, but we at least carry those values with us to the ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I hope that you know as people vote that that they don't forget that. Um, any you know as we're closing our time together. Anything that you want to leave us with that that hasn't been said yet? Um, You know, I just want to make sure that people aren't afraid of this election cycle. We we Mm. see people who are trying to create a sense of fear um, as it relates to letting your voice heard. And that's just not what this country was built on or founded on. The whole notion and idea of a democracy and an election and a representative democracy to allow people to have a voice that's heard. So I don't want people to play into the tactics um, and, and, and really just watch what you're looking at on social media. There mm. are, there's a lot of research that proves and points out that Russian bots are live and real. They are working and they are trying to disturb our process. And, um, <laughs> and you know, we say in the black church, don't, don't give any room to the enemy is what kind of what I'm saying. Just mm. don't let it get to you. Follow mm. your heart. Even if you have to take a, a, a class or something or, or find a way to get an understanding on how to find out what information is factual, what information is not factual, mm. even do that. Because I think this process, uh, I'm not going to say I think this process, it's also all about... Um, educating yourself Mm. i heard Mm. someone say well they didn't come to me they didn't come to my doorstep i said well this is democracy and you have to be participatory in the process that means you have to do your own research too you have to do your own work and make sure the sources that you're using are good sources it's not a source that's one-sided a source that's bipartisan so that you can educate yourself and all that getting get an understanding. So that's mm. what I would leave you with um, as we move into November the 3rd. And that, that's a very uh, subtle reference to yes. a, a Bible verse. I, I yes. love that. Um, for our listeners, thank you for joining us today. We, we've been talking to Bianca Emerson, who yeah. is deeply engaged in the political process. Um, has degrees in law and social science and is just a a well of wisdom and knowledge um, about our electoral process here in Colorado and throughout the U.S. Bianca, if people want to be in touch with you or follow your work, where can they find you? You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Bianca with a K. So it's B-I-A-N-K-A Emerson. You can see and find me there. And you can also see the work that I've done. I've done some um, work on affirmative action, juvenile justice reform in law school. So I'd love for you to read some of the research that I've done there. But um, that's really where I, I have a couple of social media handlers, but I don't want to share that. But <laughs> <laughs> from a professional perspective, you can definitely exactly. um, connect with me on LinkedIn. Well, thank you again, Bianca. We are so glad to have you. And thank you to our listeners. This has been a very special election episode of Mile High Theology. We will have um, representative, state representative Leslie Herod on with us on Monday. 
October 12th, who okay. will be talking about um, the movement for Black Lives in the state of Colorado. 